Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Sales Management. In it, you'll discover 10 challenges and problems that sales managers and sales VPs experience, as well as how to solve them. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 296. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and today I am talking to a really old friend of CFS. We worked together with her and her team quite a few years ago, and it's really fun to reconnect and, and kind of learn about what we've been doing. She's a Senior Director of Learning and Development at WebMD, and she previously has worked in training and development at large companies, including AT&T and ESPN. So she really is connected to that corporate training culture that's so important. She also volunteers with an organization called Strive International, and she provides training to at-risk populations to help them on their journey to a better future through sustainable employment. Um, And she's based right here in New York City. So welcome to the show, Michelle Benvenesti. Thank you very much. And since I'm based in New York City, you may hear some street noise in the background. I apologize for that ahead of time. You're so responsible. I've just kind of gotten used to it. I'm at the quietest place in my apartment I can be, but as I'm also in New York City, like five minutes before we recorded, a really loud plane went by overhead. And about 10 minutes before that, there were sirens outside. Um, And then right before that, my cat was yowling outside the room I'm in. So we're all dealing with life. (laughs) Yes. All right, Michelle. Well, I'm so glad that you could be here and join me. And I just shared the kind of top level bullets from your resume, but that's not who you are as a person. So I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe talk a little bit about the journey to where you got where you are today. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So thank you, Elizabeth. And hello, everybody. I hope everybody is doing well during this time. So where I started, I started decades ago at AT AT&T Wireless, and at AT AT&T Wireless, I actually started my career in customer service when AT&T Wireless was a startup and very few people had cell phones, so times have changed. (laughs) But the organization was growing by leaps and bounds, the industry was growing, and I naturally started to gravitate towards training and development as we needed to teach the people within AT&T Wireless about cell phones and the wireless industry. So I started to do that and I realized I really started to take a liking towards training and development and moved my career. My career shifted into from the technical skills of training more to the business skills training. So I started Mm -hmm. to focus on the people skills, communication skills and presentation skills. And I have done that now for close to 25 years. I, you mentioned that I did work at ESPN. And while I did do some training at ESPN, I actually also was in the customer care organization at ESPN, starting up, starting up mobile ESPN when it was a startup. And then I transitioned over to working for ESPN.com. Wow. Yeah. And I always did some training and I always knew even when I was at doing my stint there for a couple of years, I always knew that I wanted to go fully back into training and development because that's where my sweet spot really is. And Mm -hmm. that's what led me to working for WebMD and starting their learning and development function at WebMD, building building the business skills and professional skills curriculum. I've been at WebMD for 11 years now. 
That is kind of crazy to think about, right? I've been at Criteria for Success for about 12 and a half years. So um, it's just funny to look back and, and see, you know, as you build things and create things, um, it's it's such such a legacy that you've created there. Um, yeah. We, we worked with your team and just saw the impressive training organization that you've built. And this was, again, this was years ago, but it's it's always fun to partner with a really um, strong training organization that knows yeah, how to great. kind of leverage uh, your information and your, your, your content um, and get that out to a big team. Thank you. That was a great partnership. And that was definitely one of my highlights working at WebMD was working with your team because we really did have to be on a fast track towards. Oh my goodness. <laughs> organization. I felt like we, we really did partner very well together and it was so very well received. The feedback was really incredible. It's been fun maintaining relationships with um, with the team as, as they've moved and, and changed companies over the years. So that's always a fun thing when you work with a senior, um, really professional uh, team. So you're part of these conversations, obviously. When you talk to sales leaders, when you talk to yeah. managers within a large organization, they're coming to you with the skill sets that they think are missing in their teams or the the concerns that they're hearing from their teams. I would imagine sometimes you're also bringing ideas to them, maybe things that you're observing that even the managers don't observe. But what are some of the key kind of areas of focus that you've been hearing lately as you as you work with and speak to sales leaders? I mean, the area of focus is um, very timely. You know, prior to us going remote, it was about how do we keep people engaged? How do we, when we're presenting or communicating with our clients, ensure that we we hook them in, but we keep them engaged throughout? When we went virtual, you would think that you would have people who are naturally engaged in a virtual environment, but that actually is not the case. Mm -hmm. When we went virtual, the training shifted towards virtual presentation skills, which is a different set of skills that need to be applied. I almost... I almost equate it to the difference of being on TV versus being on the radio. You really, you really do have to hone on, hone in on different skill sets. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that if you were to think about training per se, the training that I'm doing, thinking about it as people who are, let's say, let's say you're, imagine you're at the ocean and you've got a room full of participants who are at the shore they're starting to drift away very quickly. And it's mm-hmm. for salespeople when they are presenting to their clients, they might physically be there, but the likelihood of them being focused is unlikely in a virtual environment because that current can take them away. And that current in a virtual environment can be what is happening in your email? Are you getting a text message? Are you getting an instant message from your boss? All of those factors lead to people starting to drift away while you are communicating, while you are presenting. And so that becomes the challenge of how do you in this virtual environment not only get people engaged, but keep them engaged throughout? Mm. That's been where my area of focus has been for communicating and partnering and coaching with sales leaders as well as sales representatives. I love that. And I'm glad that you recognized and mentioned this is a problem that was building before 
um, COVID before people mm-hmm. went to working remotely. And it's something that we've heard as well from a lot of sales leaders is just that idea that, man, people are busier than they've ever been. Their attention mm-hmm. spans have gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. Their budgets have tightened up maybe. And I don't know how to get and keep people's attention. And then you take that problem that was already building and turn it up to 11 when it comes to now they're working from home. Like you said, all those professional interruptions or things on their computer, then you've got maybe their kids are taking, you know, they're, they're learning. Oh, at home. Maybe they've got pets, they've got a spouse, a partner, they're in a small yeah. apartment and they they're on top of each other. And so all of these very reasonable and, and logical um, reasons that somebody might be interrupted and less available. But when you're trying to have a professional conversation with them, it does become a lot more difficult. And as, as a salesperson, yeah. if you're making, you know, 10, 15, 20, 100 calls and, you know, all of the people that you're calling are dealing with this, you do have to have some best practices and some That's ways to, true. you know, engage people. Yeah. And I call it, you know, throwing out that light preserver, you always have to be engaging them. You always have to pull them in and you have to make it easy for them to listen in this virtual environment. I don't think we realize how difficult it is for people to listen. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we put the responsibility on the client to just listen to us because we've scheduled that time with them. We -hmm. have to make it very easy for them to listen. And what that means is you as the sales rep need to work even harder to continually pull people in to create that pull to, as I said with the life preserver, pull them in throughout your presentation. Yeah, it's not a one-time thing. It's not like at the very beginning of a presentation, you just wow them and get their engagement. And then you can just go into droning on and on and on. Instead, that idea of consistently pulling them in and the current's continuing to pull them away and you're pulling them back in and the current moves them away and you pull them back in. It's a cycle and it's a process. And um, there's a lot involved in that. Oh, there is so much involved with that. Absolutely. All right. So I want to jump in on a framework that you and I've discussed uh, because I think it can really help. So as sales leaders are thinking about this virtual training and thinking about not virtual training, but virtual presentations, um, what is a framework that they should think about in terms of kind of the areas of focus for training and development? So I see it as three different areas of focus. Number one is the technology piece. I think Mm. we can all understand and relate to having technical challenges, working remotely. If we're on video, you're eating on more bandwidth. So the technical piece of it is a critical component that you can't take for granted. So when I I teach salespeople about the technical piece, we talk about all the things that can go wrong and to really anticipate that and do what you can to prevent it from happening. It could be shutting off other devices that are on your Wi-Fi connection. There there are a number of different things to do. It could be rebooting your computer to make sure that the updates are installed. So from the technical piece of it, there is quite a bit to be aware of, to be mindful of. But then there's the content part. You know, when we think about when do our presentations begin, and I like to ask that, Elizabeth, as a trick question, when does your presentation begin? You would think most people would say, you know, my presentation begins when I connect to my meeting. And Mm -hmm. that is part of the problem. Your presentation doesn't begin when you connect to the meeting. It begins when you're planning. It begins in the preparation. It begins when you Mm. think about 
your client? What are their needs? What are their priorities? So the content piece of it, when I am teaching sales leaders, I talk to them about what are all of those aspects of content we need to be aware of. And then the delivery piece is the actual, you connect, you're in the meeting. How do you ensure that you get them engaged and keep them engaged throughout? But those are the three areas, technology, content, and delivery. I love that. So like you said, the technology is kind of the foundation here. If you mm-hmm. don't have it or if it's you know spotty, um, it doesn't matter how great your content is and your delivery skills, you're still going to struggle. Um, but that's something that I think um, people know, as you said, what they need to do. You know, um, So we won't really spend a lot of time on that, but I'd like to really talk to you about um, the content and delivery areas, because I know that's where you have a lot of expertise and focus. So let's start with content. Um, What are some ways that people need to maybe adjust their content or develop new content that will help provide that life preserver that's pulling people back and keeping them engaged? What are some things maybe that you see that people do that are not the best? And what are some of the best practices that you would recommend? So first and foremost, and and I truly believe that people in sales know this, you have to know your client's needs and priorities. So when you're planning, have you done that needs assessment? Have you had that upfront meeting to identify where their pain points are? And how are you going to help bring solutions for off, you know, bring forward solutions? So you have to know their perspective. And when you're preparing it, your presentation always needs to approach them from their perspective, not yours. You know, I I almost think about Mm -hmm. you've got the topic, which is what you do, the company you work for, what you're pitching, but then you've got the outer layer and that's what your audience cares about. And your content core needs to be related to what your audience cares about. So really knowing that content core and approaching them from their perspective, their needs and priorities, And how do you weave in what your company can do to help them with their needs and priorities? I almost, you know, when I think about the the content piece of it, I'm thinking about it from, you've got to make sure that you know those needs and priorities first. And then when you're designing your presentation, how are you going to effectively tell that story to ensure that the content areas that you're talking about and discussing how do you make it stick? So in the Mm -hmm. presentations that I give, I talk about, you might be sharing data points, you might be sharing facts, but how do you make those facts stick? How do you make it memorable? Absolutely. Yeah, there are a number of ways in which I talk about how to make it memorable. I'd like to think of it almost like duct tape, right? You've got your bullet, (laughs) your data, your facts, and that's many presentations we've been part of, Elizabeth, they go through data, 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 fact, 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 yes. pull it, and we rarely remember these. So how do you take your data points and make it stick like duct tape? And that's through stories that you can share, examples that you can tell, metaphors that will help to hone it in and make it stick like duct tape. I really love that because, you know, you've you've worked obviously from that list in some organizations where analytical information is key. And when it comes to WebMD, you know, it's a media space. So people are talking about all, you know, how many views, yeah. how many clicks, yeah. Um, yeah. all of it's a complicated space with a lot of numbers. And yeah. even if you were meeting in person, 
people still fall asleep a little bit in that part. And then when you talk about it remote, it's, it's, you know, a million times worse because they've got all those interruptions. And even there's, there's just something different about the way we actually perceive information and communicate when it's done through a digital medium. And so um, that's, that's so incredibly important, really thinking about what are, what are ways to do that. So there's another analogy, Elizabeth, that I use, and that's, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I love chocolate layer cake. And, oh my goodness. <laughs> and if I had, if let's say you were asking a server for a piece of chocolate layer cake and they came out and they gave you a plate full of cake and there wasn't any frosting. I would <laughs> cry. <laughs> You'd be disappointed. I'm sure it would taste dry. And that's, that's the challenge with presentations that they're often dry. You've got the data, the numbers, the facts, the bullets, but you've got to be there to create the frosting. And creating the frosting is, what are you sharing along the way that's gonna really create the sweet spot for your client? How are you Mm. going to open it to say, I've listened to you, I understand what your needs are. That's when you're pulling that client in. Just like a chocolate layer cake, where you're layering in chocolate along the way. Well, when you are presenting to your client, you've got to find those layers. You've got to find ways to weave in the stories, the examples, the metaphors, the ways to engage them that you may not have thought about or you might have taken that piece for granted But I do think of it like that, where you are layering in the frosting, you are there as a sales rep to be the frosting. And if you don't, if you're not the frosting, if you can't provide the context, the examples, the stories, your presentation is going to be very dry and they won't be pulled in. Absolutely. So um, you should not have talked about chocolate cake. That was mean. That was mean. Although I will say about uh, two weeks ago, I made a triple layer chocolate cake with chocolate peanut butter frosting. And it is just me and my roommate in the apartment. And we managed to eat that whole thing. I mean, obviously it took us a few days, but um, we sold it on. Everybody's like, this is going to want to have a piece of chocolate cake. But the other challenge is, and the other problem is, and I've been part of these presentations and I'm sure you have, Sometimes people are presenting, forget why they're there, and they're sharing too many stories. And it's just all frosting. It's all frosting. It's too much. It's too rich. And you're thinking, this was way too much for me. What's the data? What's the content core that I really need to pay attention to? So finding that balance is really critical. Absolutely. And I think that's especially relevant in these times and in virtual presentations because there are some salespeople and they're they're great, wonderful professionals and, and have been highly successful, but they leaned a lot on their personality, on yeah. their ability to be warm and to connect with people and to remember, you know, the kids and, um, you know, even just the kind of backslapping, yeah. uh, the, the fun that you get, you know, I'm bringing in donuts for our meeting, whatever it might be, or chocolate layer cake for our meeting. Oh. And then you're, you're talking to somebody and they're a box on the screen and it's very different. And so people in the past who might have been able to be pretty successful 
without having that foundation, the, you know, the layers of the cake, the, the data, the stats, the, the specifics for the client, um, they might be struggling even more because they're really pushed outside their comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is very true. And so, you know, the building rapport is something very important and there are ways to build rapport virtually, right? And if you connect to the meeting and you have that conversation, but we have to continually do that along the way and not lose sight of that. But it may not be building rapport in the way of talking about, you know, the current climate. It could be building rapport and asking questions related to what do they think, asking them for feedback, pausing for questions or for a dialogue along the way. All of those areas really help with creating that frosting, but also putting it all together. You know, I, I would go back to the cake. When you've got that frosting along the way, it all comes together. It all sticks together. Absolutely. And I I love that um, you've mentioned this a couple of times, and I think this is, a, it's a kind of, it's a frosting, right? It's a way to make the data stick. Uh, the more you know your client, the more you can say, you know, so we have this um, offering and it's got these specs and these details, and here's how you would use it to solve a problem in your organization. You know, you mentioned that you're struggling with this, and here's how this would help you. Does that make sense to you? And just taking, first of all, if you can give them the scenario that's going to add value to them, that shows that you've been listening and paying attention and done the work. But sometimes you can also say, um, so we have this offering and we have, you know, blah, 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 details, boring, dry stuff, important, but boring. Um, and then how do you think you would be able to use that to solve this yeah. problem and get them involved in the brainstorming and in the problem solving? And sometimes you'll find that people end up selling themselves <laughs> in that conversation. You learned so much through the power of questions questions, open-ended questions. Absolutely. So I want to, I want to kind of move in. I think we've naturally done this. We're kind of blending content and delivery because there is planning in advance, the content, yeah. right? Saying I'm not just going to have a deck that is, you know, here are my stats, here are my numbers dry, but actually planning in advance things like yeah. here are some stories that I could share that are relevant. Um, mm -hmm. But then what are some best practices when it comes to the delivery side? So the best practices that come with the delivery are really about the preparation that comes into play. There's a quote about failing to prepare, and it's by mm. Benjamin Franklin, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Mm -hmm. And so the delivery piece is almost like if you were at a show and they're on stage and it is a flawless show, it's because of all the dress rehearsals that have taken place. So one of the things that's really important is looking through your content, like you said, finding what are the most important points and how do I make those points stick like duct tape? What's the story I'm going to share? What's the question I'm going to ask? How do I make sure that that point gets really honed in on? And we talked about that. Another part of it is really knowing your presentation from start to finish. So not just knowing what's on your slide, but knowing what's coming next, knowing what's on that next slide, because you need mm. to piece them together. And, and I know in sales, they talk about storytelling and storytelling can sometimes be misunderstood as let me tell a story and storytelling in sales is not mm -hmm. necessarily let me tell a story, but how do I take 
my entire presentation and package it together like a story. And so I talk mm-hmm. about always knowing what's in your presentation and knowing what's coming next, especially Elizabeth, I'm sure you've been there before where you've been nervous and you might freeze and you might think what's coming next. What's on that next slide. And then it pops so, up and it's a brand new world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you, you don't want that kind of surprise. I always say, you know, you don't want surprises like that. You want surprise parties maybe, but not that kind of surprise in terms of what's on the next slide. And that can happen when we're nervous. So how do you package it together like a story? What's that? Absolutely. And and I'm just picturing this because I think we've all both done this and we've all seen people who do this. And what happens when you don't know your deck, you haven't prepared or you got nervous, right? Is it's very choppy. It's I'm going to talk about this topic. Exactly. Hit slide. I'm going to talk about this topic as opposed to here's my flow and I'm talking about something. And then this next slide comes up and it's natural and it builds. And when you think of an effective communicator, even you think um, those of us who who maybe like stand up comedy and if you've ever watched a stand up comedy routine, you know, like a solid 30 minutes or an hour that somebody put together they're cycling back to the same topics and then they come to the conclusion and you're like, Oh my goodness, that references the first five words that you said at the very beginning. Right. And you come out of it thinking you told me a complete coherent story. That's what we need to be doing in sales presentations. You don't need to be a comedian. You know, if you're not good at it, please don't try. But um, thinking about, okay, what do I want them to discover at the end? How do I want them to feel at the end? What are the key messages I want them to have understood? And how can I be planting seeds along the way so that it all comes together at the end? It all comes together at the end. And you brought up something so important, you know, knowing what you want to accomplish before you even start. It's Mm. like... I'm not a runner, but if anybody asked me, hey, would you want to run a race with me? My very first question would be, how long? <laughs> how long? Yes. Because if you're asking me if you want to run a marathon, I'm, I'm going to have to plan for a year. But if you're saying, hey, you want to participate in a 5K, it's, I'd still need to do some planning for mm-hmm. that as well. But knowing and having an idea of what the end is, where, what do you want to accomplish? What does that finish line look like is a critical part of it. But the other part I think about is, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, always knowing what's coming next. I don't know, Elizabeth, if you remember, but I'm old enough to remember show and tell. Did you have show mm-hmm. and tell in school? Yes, we did. <laughs> show and tell. You know, I, I'm a big Yankees fan. And sorry for anybody listening who's not. <laughs> but... <laughs> I have collected bobbleheads and the equivalent of show and tell is if I were to hold up my bobblehead right now, Mariana Rivera, and I hold it up and then I tell you what I'm holding up, that's show and then tell. Well, Mm -hmm. equivalent in a presentation is we click to the next slide and then we tell them what's on the slide. The Mm -hmm. problem with that is it starts to feel dry and disconnected. So what I talk about when I'm coaching salespeople for presentations, Mm -hmm. not show and tell, it's tell then show. I'm going to tell them what's coming next. I'm going to say, Ah. now that we've talked about technology Let's spend some time talking about content and how do we effectively prepare for the content piece of it, then click. 
So it's a tell, then show. And that's part of storytelling. Absolutely. And that creates a moment for the person who's, you know, in the meeting with you where you're talking, you're talking, and then you pull up the slide and I'm like, oh, I see that. And that can also create a context where some more dry information like data, like numbers, it will fit within that story that you just said. And they'll actually be reading what's on the screen and thinking about it as opposed to just waiting for the next thing to come up. Exactly. And then what happens is your, your, your slides become part of the background because you are there, you are the frosting. You are the reason why you're having that meeting is for you to provide that context. So when you do a talent show, the slides are happening behind the scenes and they're there to reinforce what you're speaking about. I love that because I see some people try to make the slides the core and yeah. um, the idea that the slides are just the background is a, is a context that I think people should really ponder and think about. And when you're giving a talk, are the slides the background or are the slides the primary um, method of communication? Exactly. And that's the idea behind tell and show. It's I'm going to tell them what's coming next. I'm going to tell them about what we're discussing And I'm showing it behind the scenes, or I should say almost in the background. And that's a key part of preparation. But the other part, Elizabeth, that I spend a lot of time coaching people. When I say coaching people, I'm talking about anybody who presents the most junior presenters to the people who have been presenting for a very long time. I talk about this idea of the rule of two. Mm -hmm. The rule of two is... You've gone through your content. You have your slides prepared. You know how to do the talent show. Now you're ready to practice. And the rule of two is, can you get through your presentation two times in a row without a hiccup? Ah. Without a hiccup is, if you didn't do your talent show properly, so you, you said something and it didn't come out right, you fix it. And then you go back to the beginning and you start from round one and you try to get through the rule of two, two times in a row without a hiccup. That is such a great example. And I love how you said, you know, it's for even people who've been presenting for a long time. I would imagine that also includes people like senior executives who need to give presentations and other people, you know, not in the selling context. Regardless, if you need to give a presentation, your goals are still always the same. You're trying to keep people engaged. You're trying to communicate something. You're trying to get people to understand and to go along with you on a journey. And it's so important to to have these skills. So I I hope that our listeners are thinking, well, you know, I might not give sales presentations. I can I can train my team on this. But anytime you're leading a team meeting, technically you're giving a presentation to an extent and really thinking about yeah. that. But um, so many times people just practice. And like you said, you get to the point of a hiccup and you fix it and you keep going and then you never go through it again. And that rule of two is so important. It is important. What's also important to think about is it's not that you're memorizing a script. I think we all know that that's mm-hmm. what you want to avoid. You're, what you're trying to really hone in on in the rule of two is your flow. It's your guide from, from the beginning through the middle to the end. And so when I talk mm-hmm. about the rule of two, I almost like to think about, can I get through my outline, not my script? 
because a script, if you forget one word, it can really throw you off. So I don't memorize the script, but I do memorize an outline. I do have a flow that I want to make sure I'm going through. And I actually will create that outline, not necessarily based upon my, not the outline of my slides, but my talking points. And I, I will sometimes write it down mm -hmm. almost like the way we would write driving directions. Driving directions, you know, if you're following mm. Google Maps, it's giving you the keywords. It's your turns, your streets. Well, what are your keywords and your turns and your streets with your presentation? That's what's part of the rule of two. I, I really love that too, because so often we find that people think they need to script it out. And then you yeah. also sound like a robot, even if you can manage to either completely memorize it and not get thrown off. Or if you have, you know, a teleprompter like system, it, if you're just reading word for word, and again, we have all done this. Um, so I'm, I'm not speaking from a place of perfection here, but from learning, <laughs> um, you sound awkward. And even the way, you know, the language that we write is not the same as the language that we speak. And so if you write something and it looks really good written on the page and you haven't said it out loud and really internalized what it sounds like out loud, it might be a more formal language or just different. You know, uh, we, we have longer sentences typically um, and all these different things that we do a lot of, you know, as I'm talking now, there's fragments. There's a, I would not write this, <laughs> but instead yeah. this is how people talk. And yeah. so if you, if you script it out perfectly, you, you sound strange and you're not really adding again, that personal value, that, that frosting, you're not bringing anything to it. You could have just recorded that script instead. Um, it's making sure, you know, I'm, I'm hitting every stop on the outline and I might spend more time here than I thought, because there's a lot of engagement, and a lot of questions. Maybe I'm going to go a little bit off track because they really need me to hone in on something, but I know what the next step in my outline is. And I'm going to bring us yeah. back to that before I move forward. Yeah, and, and that's the ability to effective presenters can pivot. They are flexible with it. So the goal is not necessarily, the rule of two is not, I need to make sure that I get through my outline in order, but it's knowing what your outline is. It's knowing the key points that you want to hit along the way. It's knowing when you want to pause for questions. It's, it's knowing at this point, this might be a good idea for me to share a story not writing out the story, but perhaps putting your cue in your outline. So, you know, this is the time in which I will share that particular example. Absolutely. And I love that analogy you gave of driving directions, because I'm picturing, you know, you, you say, okay, you're going to take this road and go this far, <laughs> and then you're going to turn this way, but there's a detour or you need to stop and get some food or, or gas up your car yeah. or whatever it is. And you still know I need to get back on track. And I, we've all probably been in a car and it's rerouting and recalculating your route, but eventually it's going to get you back on track. And so knowing, um, knowing where you want to get people. And like you said, um, Again, I'm probably beating this analogy to death, but it's, you know, you here is the place that you're going to stop to eat. That is the place where you're going to make sure to have a story. And you really want to get there because that's a great restaurant. That's a great story. And if you don't go in the right direction to get there, it, wow. you're not going to be able to tell the story, right? You need to plant the seeds moving up to it so that you can come in with that powerful story. And so thinking about those kind of key moments, throughout the course of the journey that you really want to highlight that to me is what's in that outline. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's a, 
pretty important analogy to think about driving directions. And here's why I, I, I like to talk about that in the coaching that I do is it not only relates to when you're giving a presentation, but it also relates to the written form that people are very busy. We're getting mm. a ton of email. And so when I'm opening up that email, do I want to read the paragraphs or do I want to mm -hmm. read the bullets? And I'm not saying that paragraphs are not worthy, but if there is background information, where is that background information going? Is it going in the front, you know, on my mobile phone, that's going to put all the key information below the fold, right? Where I have to scroll, or is that context and background information coming second? So I talk about that with driving mm -hmm. directions. I, I love my mom, but she once wrote me driving directions for a four hour trip to visit my aunt. And she wrote it in a paragraph and <laughs> I, you know, she talked about a nice house along the way. And I said, mom, you don't love me. If I'm going to follow these directions, I am going to hit a tree and die. And so my <laughs> with that is that in our written form of communication, we need to be sensitive to that as well. That if you're writing to your clients, what is the key information that you want to stand out and how are you writing that in a way that they can like driving directions, immediately look at that and understand what they need to provide to you. And if there is important context, being sensitive to where we're putting that information, perhaps not in the opening, perhaps we're seeing more background information below. Absolutely. Um, I'll include in the show notes uh, a resource that we have, we call a deal document, where you take your follow-up email and you put it in a really simple format of four categories and making sure to have numbered bullets within each one. And it's summarizing, here are your requirements as I understand them. Here's what I need from you. Here are my next steps. Here's what we think a successful resolution is. Very, very simple. But thinking through, you know, again, if, if you've got a lot of information, are you having it in paragraphs or are you having it in bullets? Mm -hmm. That alone can completely change the way people experience that communication. Absolutely. Are you, you know, bolding the keywords? Are you putting a header that says next steps or, you know, um, requests, whatever it is. Um, if you've got things sprinkled throughout the email that you need from them, they're going to miss one, almost yeah. guaranteed. Um, yeah. Instead, if you say, you know, bolded right at the top or right at the bottom, here's what I need. I need this piece of information. I need this list. I need, you know, whatever it might be for your for your sales process. Uh, it, it's so important to summarize that and make it really, really apparent because you're slowing down the process if you're not making it clear to people how they can follow up. Yeah. And, and you know, Elizabeth, it, it made me think about this, that we often think, that, you know, in the sales process, the most important part of our communication is when we get on that call and when we take them through a pitch and when we present to them, these are communication skills. Mm -hmm. So I would rather have people think of it not as presentation skills, because that means that's an event. These are communication skills. And when we talk about communication skills, we're not just talking about our verbal skills. We're talking about our writing skills. It's all part of the client interaction. Absolutely. And you also want to be consistent 
throughout your communication, right? If you sound like a different person on the phone versus in an email versus on a presentation, people are going to be confused or they're going to think, you know, you have one of those AI tools that's writing your emails for you. (laughs) And so really thinking about, I mean, obviously there might be a slightly higher level of formality in an email than, than if you're texting somebody or over the phone, but you still need to be, um, the same person. You still need to be um, using the same best practices and the same core philosophies. And if you if you aren't doing that, if you're really, really great on email and then you get to a, a visual presentation and you bomb or vice versa, that's that's a strange experience for the prospect. Yeah, I, I, I would absolutely agree. And so you really need to think about your package of communication, not just that presentation in which you're connecting to them and doing a virtual presentation. Yeah, it's, it's again, a lot of these things are foundational. They're things that were always important to think about, and they're just becoming more and more and more important. And what that means is they're becoming need-to-haves as opposed to nice-to-haves. Yeah. And you, again, you could skate with some pretty significant weaknesses, in uh, in a you know a really good economy when you can have that connection with people you can have some pretty big gaps in your skill set in your abilities and you can still be pretty successful but first of all you could have probably been way more successful had you had a a better process and better skill set um, but then when you know when you enter that situation when you're under fire and everything is so much more difficult and challenging if you can't fall back on a foundation of skills and process that you've developed, you're really left kind of floundering. And um, you're going to find that those are the people that that really, really struggle, whether it's, you know, working from home and moving remote because of COVID or whether it's any other situation, you know, a major recession comes, um, you start a new job and and you realize, oh my goodness, I I don't really have a process. Instead, I just was, was, building, you know, based on relationship. And so it's so important to think about the the big categories of skills like communication skills, and then thinking about how that, um, you know, moves out throughout all the different methods of communication. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. And when you're getting into the delivery component of it, you have to then look back and say, you know what, I've done my homework. I have prepared. I have identified what their needs are. I put together a presentation that's going to hone in on their needs. I'm making sure that I'm asking the right questions along the way. And now you are getting ready for an effective delivery of that presentation because you've done so much leading up to it. Absolutely. You're not depending on the presentation itself, kind of making up for the the shortfalls that you've made. That's when you're going to lean on marketing and say, I need the absolute prettiest graphics that you have and, you know, make it magical instead of just we're, we're building something and it makes sense and um, and we can just go with it. So you um, brought up graphics, Elizabeth, and can I bring up something related to that that came to mm-hmm. mind? We so we want to put together the best presentation, but sometimes I I have seen presentations where we're putting way too much in our decks. Mm. We're putting so much in our decks that we have either too much text or we have text and we have a visual and then we put a border around the visual. And so the other thing I want to be sensitive to is where do we want to create the focus? Because the more you put in that slide, the less focus people are going to have because they have no idea where to look. So one of the areas that I do like to coach people on is 
to have them really look at what is the most important area you want people to hone in on on that slide and how do we ensure that we're not adding things to it where suddenly we're creating a competition between all the text and our visuals. Absolutely. And I, I see that so often. People just go way over the top. Like you said, think about what you want people to actually discover, actually focus on. And it shouldn't be, I need them to learn 50 things from this slide. It should be, you know, <laughs> on one hand at the most. And um, also it's it's a minor thing, but if your file if you have all kinds of images and lots of things in your deck, it can also make an excessively large file that can be difficult to oh, send yeah. to people. And certainly you can use Dropbox oh, yeah. or something, but it just gets logistically challenging if you have yeah. this, you know, this PowerPoint file, it's like a gig because you've got all of these complicated graphics and other things. And again, I know that's a lot of times not up to the sales rep and sometimes marketing comes in with something and, and you have to run with it. But as a leader, because I know we're talking to a lot of leaders, um, that's a mandate that you can give to the, the team who's involved in building the, the core presentation to say, you know, we want to make sure that there's one key point or two, at most two key points per slide and that they're presented in a very simple way. Yeah, look, your starting point may have more text. And I, mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that you completely remove it. You can copy it, put it in the notes but then you do need to delete because you've got to create the focus as being on you, not on your mm -hmm. slides. The most important, the most important visual in any presentation is you, the presenter, not the words that are on your presentation that are in your presentation. Absolutely. What you don't want is you've got so many words on the screen that people are then reading and then they're not looking at you. They're not listening. Instead, they're completely honed in on those words. And so certainly having, you know, a few words that are the headline of what you're talking about in an image, or if you need to have a chart, there is almost no way to visually describe a chart in an effective way. Uh, but, but having, you know, paragraphs of text on the screen, you know, people are just going to read it. That's what we're kind of trained to do. And then they're completely tuned out. And they're also thinking, why didn't you just send this to me? Because I can mm -hmm. read it on my own. You know, yep. in sales, we know this time is money. And so we want to ensure that we're creating a valuable use of people's time. And, and that's why you are there to lead that meeting because you're bringing that frosting to the meeting that they can't get from those slides. Absolutely. Well, I think we probably could keep talking for hours and hours, but I'm looking at the clock. I realize we need to wind down. So last question I want to ask is if you want people to learn more about you or find you, where should they do that? People are welcome to look up to look me up on LinkedIn, Michelle Benvenisti. I'm happy to connect with people and to have this conversation. I love talking about this topic, so they can certainly reach out to me there. All right, perfect. Thank you so so much for speaking with me today, Michelle. It's been so great to reconnect. It's been great to speak with you. All right, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything that Michelle and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 296. If you enjoyed today's show, please recommend us to a friend. That is the best way to help more people discover the show. If you haven't yet subscribed, you can do that wherever it is that you're listening right now. That way you'll hear every new episode as soon as it goes live. We always love feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews at Apple Podcasts or again, wherever you're listening or email us with direct feedback, 
questions or guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. And don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling!